Hello and welcome to Victory Points. I'm Becca Scott. I'm Jake Michaels. And this is a show about people who love board games, talking about board games, tabletop games. We're playing it. I didn't write it down this time. Let's go. <laughs> it still works. Everybody knows what we're talking about. <laughs> This is a podcast about people who love tabletop games, interviewing other people who love tabletop games about the tabletop games they love. But not today. Not today? Today is a special day. Why? Well, because, Jake, you may have noticed, it's just you and I in the studio. Oh, and Oshi. You're right. And Oshi. And Annalise, who is our uh, audio engineer. Yeah. Anyway. But there's no guest. Well, there's a reason for that. Why? Because- Sorry, I didn't read any of the notes. (laughs) happened. Two weeks ago, but I <laughs> had an abridged Gen Con because I had to travel for a week after, and that's why we're doing our Gen Con episode now. And probably by the time this episode drops, it'll also be another couple weeks, but we still have things to say. We don't care. People still are subscribed, yeah. so... Our opinions matter through space-time. <laughs> <laughs> well, how was it? Amazing, as Gen Con always is. The best con, hands down. Just saying it. Just and throwing it out there. In your face, Essen. <laughs> also, whoa, whoa, throwing it down. Also, one of the like best attended ones yet, right? Wasn't it a huge gathering this year? That's probably a statistic we could look up, but I didn't. Uh, I feel like there's somewhere between 30,000 and 8, th- 8 billion people there. Siri, how many people were at Gen Con this year? This episode sponsored by Siri. Here's what I found. Uh, oh, it's all 2018 years. Uh, so. well, the statistics aren't out yet. When the research comes, we will report on it. Yeah, the headcount isn't done. Okay, so I went to Gen Con and I was there, full disclosure, with Renegade Game Studio, who uh, hired me to you know do cool stuff in their game room. Yeah. So here are my observations of Gen Con. So you were there to like help demo stuff or like um, interview people as well? Interviewing designers and just hanging out and playing the games and testing stuff and doing whatever they said Becca go stand there and talk to that person <laughs> and I did it and it was very very fun yeah. and uh, Renegade Game Studios is just a wonderful company they make of some of my employees. favorites actually yeah. yeah and they had a lot of great releases so a lot of things on my personal Gen Con list are Renegade Games not uh, not because they're sponsoring this podcast but <laughs> just because that's a lot of what I played yeah. and a lot of what I enjoyed um, but I did get a little bit of a chance to walk around the floor I also had a very abridged Gen Con because I was there for Thursday and Friday of the con and Saturday and Sunday I had to hit the road yeah absolutely so, so you got to get in when it, everything was hot and heavy and then <laughs> I don't know what that yeah, means. Yeah, no, it was hot and heavy in there. It was the hot. hot yeah, but hot it was hot. Based on body temperature yeah, yeah. and heavy based on the odor of that body temperature. <laughs> hot and heavy is usually sexy. This is the opposite of that case. Yeah, heavy <laughs> as in the crunchiness of the games. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, Renegade, not only did they have an awesome booth where you could buy a t-shirt that came in a cereal box... Why wouldn't you want to do that? <laughs> Renegade Studios. Ah. It was real cute. Was there like a Renegade B on it too? What's the B? Cheerios has a B. Oh. No. Okay. Lots of cereals have O's. O's Lots of cereals have mascots. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, this one, I almost wore that shirt and then I was like, they didn't sponsor this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I feel like there's some sort of monster on it. Uh, very colorful with the renegade blue. I also just want to throw up, they had such a cool room. They had put a whole skin around their room that was across from the convention floor. Uh, I know Greater Than Games also had a room. Like to some companies, 
had their own room off of the floor so you could have a quiet place to play test or just uh, signings with designers and blah, blah, blah. With lots of tables and stuff for people to tables, go out and play. Oh, that's kind of cool. Tables, uh, a pre-order pickup area. So you're not just, just in, buy games you're not just in the general hall where it's all really noisy and stuff. You actually... why, when you can have one line for people to buy stuff, why not have two? Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Smart, strategically, businessly. Yeah, and, and not as intense. Uh, and I was just so impressed by the skin that went around the door. It was very inviting. Um, <laughs> so it was a good environment. You love the aesthetics. It was. I mean, uh, yeah, I just love a lot about that. Okay. Uh, but the games. So, yeah. And, oh, and one more bullet point before we start talking about games. Our favorite board game resource also <laughs> does not sponsor this podcast, BoardGameGeek.com. I will say probably the board game resource, right? As opposed to our favorite, because I mean, it's the one. I mean, well, that's why it's our favorite. <laughs> it is a very extensive database of board games. Which Absolutely. If, I mean, most of the people who listen to this podcast probably know about it, but if you don't, uh, BoardGameGeek.com, right? Isn't that the incredible? Full URL? Incredible. They really owe us a sponsorship now. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's got everything. And I'm always impressed that they, you're like, oh, I heard about this game that's coming out in a year. It's already on there. Yeah. It may just have the name and the publisher and the designer listed in the year, but they know about it. Yeah, it is the ultimate registry if you want to find a game. that's They're going to have it, probably. They're, have they're it. also, if it's been out for a while, they're going to have a pretty extensive list of comments and reviews and uh, haughty opinions. Yeah. Well, and also, if we're going to get full into our review of BoardGameGeek.com, uh, I love how customizable your profile can be. You can buy and sell and trade games on there. Uh, you know, I haven't and done that. Have you done that? I bought Arabian Nights. Oh, cool. Tales of the Arabian Nights. Because uh, I saw it on Amazon and I was like, no. <laughs> I'm going to pay $10 more and then some shipping because I want to not give Jeff Bezos every cent I own. Yes. And support board gamers that are trying to, you know, be environmentally conscious and reuse the games. Well, this one was still in shrink wrap, so I don't know if that's... <laughs> that's still reusing. Otherwise, it'd still sit in his place. Yeah, it would just sit in somebody's place. Oh, anyway. Um, but... What is new about Board Game Geek is the logo. <laughs> that was the big unveil. Yeah, I we had heard rumors of a huge unveiling to come from Board Game Geek, and uh, there's there's some tweaks to the side. One in particular, like when you start typing a game into the search bar, it'll start filling in for you, a la Google. I don't know if you've heard of the my favorite web search platform, <laughs> Google. Um, but yeah, it'll autofill in the search bar, which is... Didn't it used to do that? No, it didn't. And it's a small thing, but it does make a big difference in being able to like, oh, what was the I name can't remember of the game? exact name yeah, of that game. Yeah, because before with the search bar, if you had any sort of misspelling, it wouldn't find the game you were looking oh. for. And so it's a little bit more comprehensive. I will say like I looked up Century, which has like five different games like Century Spice Road, Century Gollum Edition, Century Eastern Wonders, and it did pull up most of them in the top three very quickly. Yeah, and then you don't have to wait for a full page to load. You wait for a drop down menu to load if you don't hit enter yet. Well, that's a very positive thing about it. And the logo is um, interesting. Yeah. Well, we should talk about <laughs> what the old logo is. I'm sure everybody who takes the time to listen to this podcast about board games has been to this site before. But if not, uh, it, it, it was a blonde haired guy who looked like he was on a roller coaster that just started moving real yeah. fast. He had the wind it in like his It like it came from 1993. Hair. Like he yeah, just came through time travel. <laughs> yeah, and I read something Board Game Geek put out about the new logo and it was like, you could see, uh, we wanted to embrace that there's not just one way a board gamer can look. Mm -hmm. And so that's 
that I figured that that might be a part of the rebranding. Yeah. Uh, of like, okay, well, yeah, that doesn't represent me specifically. So I wonder if they're going to change that. And they did. And I, I like it. It's still... Now, the new symbol is kind of that guy's silhouette, but also looks like a flame. Yeah, I actually, uh, on, at first looking at it, I honestly didn't know what it was. And I now it's see an, a it's face. It's an orangish blob. Yeah, yeah, it's a very, it's a jagged orange blob. I think they wanted to hold on to what people had come to know as the Board yes. Game Geek. Dude. And uh, so it's sort of his silhouette with his funky hairdo, but it kind of looks like a flame. My question is, without that context, if you hadn't seen that picture before, would you know what that is? I would think, oh, okay, that's their logo. <laughs> Listeners, ask your friends to check out this icon, someone who hasn't seen Board Game Geek before, and ask them what their first impression of what that logo is. Well, also, what was a Nike swoosh before a Nike swoosh? It wasn't anything. It there was you a. Go. Ki- it w- well, that's what that is. It's just nothing. But you said they, their goal was for them to have your yourself represented in their logo. If I don't know what the logo is, well, you know that's what their <laughs> PR team put out. <laughs> well, what I was most and excited said, oh, about okay. what they were what they would announce was a reformatting of the website, right? It's not exactly that. Not, no, we didn't not get that. Really, no, we Maybe got a resizing. Someday. I guess well, uh, a few, a few little. Works and tweaks. I would say the one thing about Board Game Geek that really is is kind of a, a hindrance towards it is its formatting. There's it's it's a um it's a plethora of words and uh, headlines right on the first page. You know, we we gamers we love our information. It's like a crunchy Euro game. Oh, that's a good analogy. A that's true. It is like an an overly crowded like player status board. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's very true. You know, and should you take that away from people, they might be upset. Yeah, I don't don't think it necessarily needs less, but needs to be organized in a way that my eye can be drawn to something as opposed to everything. True. I do love the hotness on the left. Yeah. I will say in general, the website is still the best resource and uh, like a great one. Like overall, they do a really good job and they're so consistent about keeping things up to date that I always will reference them. Yeah. Well, speaking of the hotness, I see about four or five Gen Con releases in the hotness. But those aren't the ones we're going to talk about. First, we're going to talk about the ones that I remember. (laughs) (laughs) Then we'll figure those out. All right. Well, it's not on the hotness yet, but there is a game that was very popular uh, called Medium. This is from Greater Than Games. And it was a darling of the con, I will say. People seem to be talking about it a lot. It also had a lot of advertising. Uh, gameplay is everybody has a hand of five cards. Um, you're standing in a circle. One player will put down a card, and that card has a single word on it. Let's say my word is train. Okay. Jake's standing next to me. He has five cards in his hand. He's going to put down uh, one of those cards of his choosing. And in your hand, you've got banana, yeah. station, tornado, and you choose, uh, you choose. Let's see. I said train, so maybe you put down station. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we're going to, on the count of three, name a word that encapsulates. You'll you'll lay it down. Yeah. Uh, and so maybe name a word that encapsulates both of those concepts. Train and station. Yes. So what is the word that we would say that encapsulates both train and station? So let's try it. Three, three two, two, one. one travel. Great. Well, we get three chances. Okay. Now we've missed our chance to get the most points. Okay. For matching, but uh, we've got three chances, and we get decreasing value. Uh, a, a token that has a point value on the back, we would get the, to pull from the second tier. Yes, of tokens. got it. Lesser value. Now, 
you can win one of two ways. You're now going to play a card, and the person on your left is going to play a card, and you'll try and match with them. And uh, we'll go around. So you could win either by getting the most points on a team with me or getting the most points on a team with the person on the other side of you. Okay. Um, now. Did, we have, did you and I get to try three times for that first? We did. Are we going to try? No. <laughs> I'm just okay. making sure well, that we I didn't would, miss We a would step. match with our second words. So yours was travel, mine was track. And we, it was rail. And we would try and match those together to the, find another common word. Travel and rail. Yeah. But we can't use... Train, train or station. station. Yes, correct. Okay, I understand. Okay, travel that. or Great. rail. Travel oh, or rail. Oh, we can do it. Yeah. Ready? Travel or rail. No, I'm not ready. Oh. You're ready? You took all of those improv classes. Well, you know, there's only one right answer here with That's improv. Correct. That's there how improv are works. You have to right find answers. the correct answer. <laughs> no. <laughs> Is there no time limit in this? Okay. Game? <laughs> uh, three, three, two, two one, one. Ride. Car. See, we're getting there, though. Those ride are, and car. Yeah, okay. okay. Uh, three, three, two, two one. Seat. Passenger. Oh, I we almost said it. seat. Yeah, I almost we would have gotten seat. nothing. Close, yeah. Zero points. Cool. All right, but you, but I get it. So great game, a lot of fun. Uh, it's a good family game. You can teach it to kids. You can teach it. Uh, well, as long as I can read. Um, <laughs> but uh, very low complexity. But the thing that gets under my skin. And I don't know why I'm upset about this um, because it's a very smart move, but there are so many folk games and improv games that have recently or not so recently been printed. And it's like, yeah, I've been playing that for years. Why why are you making money off this game that like everyone knows? Yeah. And so so this is a game that has been on the Upright Citizens Brigade improv school curriculum for, you know, two decades. And it's called Mind Meld, mm-hmm. but you just don't play it with points. And you don't play it with cards. You play it with, you just make up words. Yeah. Um, so it's a very cute game. It's a lot of fun. I love I the game. I rate it at, despite my frustration <sighs> with it being like, yeah, I've been playing this for a long time. Oh, but you put cards in point tokens. And so, okay, I'll give it like an eight out of 10. Well, the best part of it is, yeah, they did package it and sell it. But you. But why pl- didn't we do that first, though, Jake? <laughs> why didn't we do that first? Because, Becca, you and I can play it without the game. I know. I've, 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 I used to teach that in workshops uh, all the time. That's a great game for Jake getting team unity as well. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I like that game a lot, especially because it forces you to really um, agree with a person and mm-hmm. try and uh, not only listen, but really get on the same wavelength. Yes. And that helps a lot with uh, working dynamics with people. So it's really helpful in the workplace. Too. Yes. And I'm not going to get into how to play this one because we have a lot of games I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, keep going. But The Mind is another one that comes yeah, to same. My The Mind uh, that is also an improv game that yeah. was re-implemented. I get it. Okay. Thoughts? Moving on? on? Yeah, well, uh, until they make Zip Zap Zap a board game, I think we're good. I'm just thinking about... How that would work. No, I'm just thinking about how we've got to do this. Settlers of Zip Zap Zap? Settlers of Zip Zap Zap! <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> okay, the next one I want to talk about, it's called Black Angel, designed by Sebastian Duljartin. Lovely man, I met him, uh, from Pearl Games. And this is a highly complex Euro game. I watched a full demo of it, got to play around, and I liked it. Okay. It's not pretty, per se. You're <sighs> little pegs, you're in space, the earth has been demolished. And Were you playing with a prototype, so maybe the art wasn't final? I'm pretty, no, it was for sale. Okay. Yeah, it was a big one. Uh, it's on the hotness list, actually. And... um. 
it was worker placement and you have a, a player board where you are you have an option to place a worker in order to buy new tiles to put on your player board. And you do that by this interesting mechanism where you slide one in from either the left or the bottom and it pushes all the other tiles on your board in an interesting direction. And you can only on your turn activate either a row or a column. So where you ah. slide new tiles makes sense, makes, uh, is strategic in that way. There's also a... So, sorry, so when you put a new tile into your player board, which your player board is tight your ship or something? Yeah. Okay. No. <laughs> yeah. It's your well, engine. You have multiple ships. Okay. So I don't. It's your engine for your fleet, essentially. Not literal engine, but like your. Sure. Yes, you are building an yeah, engine. Your industry um, engine. Um, but then when you slide one in, all of the other ones in the row slide further along that row, therefore correct. changing the, also the columns. Correct. Cool. That's a great. And dynamic. then if you slide it far enough, you could slide it out of the engine onto a. This doesn't grant you an action anymore if you choose to activate that row or column, but it does grant you some in-game victory points if it was the right thing to slide all the way uh. into the super far column. And uh, there was a, I didn't get to play a full game, and this is obviously a very... I said complex well, several times. You, so. s- you said complex because there's um, I see four player boards, and then there's the game board, and then there's this hex track. The hex track is you can earn ships as part of your worker placement, and then you can place your player onto their ship, and it goes onto the hex board. <laughs> and while there, you can have interactions with aliens that will cooperatively come and fight the ship. And then one of your worker placement options would be to fight the aliens. And if you do so, you earn more cards that you can spend to activate abilities. <laughs> there were a lot of moving pieces to this. I yeah. want to play a full game, yeah. but I was very intrigued by it. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't like. I guess my my one like. It could be prettier. I will say it's pretty colorful. It's very colorful. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like, at first glance, the images look pretty compelling. But then when you get in, they're not as detailed. But, yeah, I think the color dynamics are great. Look, I know it costs more, but I want <laughs> yeah. every player piece yeah. to be wooden with two screen-printed layers. <laughs> they have some pretty tight detail on these plastic pieces. But I do, yeah, I understand what you're saying about, like, just at the you outset. You know, maybe I'll play a full game and I'll say this is the best game of all time. <laughs> it could it could be that. And I, because I just um, I just had the full demo, I can't say for sure. It looks, uh, why is it, you noted in the notes that it's semi-cooperative. What do you mean by that? Well, that is in italics because I copy and pasted it from someone else's review. Uh, it's it's not semi-cooperative in my opinion. Okay. Uh, I think oh, maybe there's you a can slightly cooperative element in that these um, the aliens that go into the two alien slots after you've drawn their attention from the hexagonal map board, then those aliens will come onto the other worker placement side of the board mm-hmm. and they will start destroying die pips that are a communal resource unless someone takes them out. Got it. But then when you take them out, you earn the action on the back of that card. Got it. you earn other, it goes into your personal resources. So they're they're hurt in the community, but you still get an award for going and stopping them. Yes. Okay, I get it. That's cool. So I, I I don't see it as cooperative. There's like, we could all fight aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Somebody you... better go take out that alien because they're destroying die pips right now. <laughs> Trouble. It really sounds like diapers whenever you start that, that word. Die pips. Got it. Die pips. Uh, it's way different. You loved this game, though. You liked it. You definitely want to try a full one. I would. I am intrigued heavily, and <laughs> I cannot give it a rating because I didn't. Because it's it's not one that you get a full feel for how you'd feel about the game 
but I do like crunchy gyro, so I think I think I'm a fan of Black Angel. Right on. So that's my partial review. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, before I say about my favorite game yeah. from the con, let's. I want you to talk about one that you know because we've played it over at Geek and Sundry. Yeah. Uh, You're referring to Horrified. Horrified. Yeah. Universal Horrified. Uh, by pers- Universal Monsters. Yeah, Universal Monsters is like the the. IP for it. The mm-hmm. like, the maker is Prospero Hall. Is that right? Uh, Prospero Hall designed it. Um, they're sort of a hired gun. Uh, I think. Oh, Ravensburger released it. Right. Let's pause real quick. Let me look. I have it on the list. Um, Universal Monster. Ravensburger Think Fun was the other one. I'll do it real quick. Uh, yeah, the, it was made by Ravensburger. <laughs> yeah, it was made by Ravensburger and Think Fun, I believe, as well. Was You're maybe so a distributor. Right. Absolutely. Was. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So you you have you played this? You played the you did the how to play, right? I made a how to play about it that yes. you directed, Jake. <laughs> yes. But you hadn't you hadn't played. I did play I a practice game with some friends. And I didn't. Yeah, you weren't with that. Yeah. So I haven't played. So I want you to talk about it. But I am very excited because it's 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 cute. Why are you excited? But you have a thing for co ops that you're kind of like I don't lukewarm like on them. But yeah. I love old timey monsters. Yes. You got Dracula. You got. Black Lagoon guy. Yeah, you the got creature from the Black Lagoon. The creature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say that, like, knowing you as long as I have, I've started to kind of be less enticed about co-op games. I, I kind of coming I around, you around. <laughs> to the dark side a little bit because I do. I mean, I've always relished competition, but like co-op games, the quarterbacking is just becoming more and more common. Even if I have friends who are better about it, it's hard not to because we're all so aware of the mechanics of the game that we see it and. We don't mind it with each other, but like it still is present, sure. and I start to mind it as a general idea. Yeah, the 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 threat of quarterback is strong, yeah. and if anyone is unfamiliar with this term, it means when one person tells everybody else what to do. Yeah, which me and Jake probably are the type of people that both really want to tell people the optimal way for them to spend their turn. I think most gamers want to, but I'll, the restraint. best gamers, yeah, show restraint and try to really let people solve the puzzle for themselves as well. Uh, that being said, all of that little caveat, I really enjoyed Horrified. It was one of the f- uh, most fun co-ops I've played in a while. Um, so you play uh, human investigators or um, archaeologist. Uh, there's a lot of different character classes. There's even a little boy courier as well. <laughs> um, they all each eat. I bet he's have, got crazy movements. They, 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 he does actually. He can like hop around and uh, I think he can gather extra stuff. Um, there's also the mayor of the town is a character you can play. She just has no superpower but has extra actions. Um, She's but, like an old rich woman ex- in a wheelchair. That's Exactly what she is. I don't oh think she's in a God. wheelchair, it's but she's like an old I rich woman at this sitting game down. And unboxed it. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, I forgot. Uh, all right, so uh, you play these um, pretty much investigators or um, heroes that are going around the village trying to stop uh, two to four monsters, depending on the difficulty you set at the beginning of the game. How many players did you have, and how many monsters did you have? We played with four players, and we played with two monsters because the players that we were playing with were very new to board games of this nature and I wanted to make sure to just dip their toes in before we got murdered by monsters. Mm, <laughs> that being said, so we fought two monsters. We fought specifically the creature from the Black Lagoon and the Invisible Man. Ooh. Yeah. And each monster is kind of cool in that they have their uh they have two objectives you need to fulfill to kill them. The first one is the primary where the creature from the Black Lagoon, you have to uh, discard items that you find in order to move uh his boat token further to his cave, which is uh pretty much um the symbolism for that is the investigators are finding out where he lairs somewhere in the river. 
Ooh, layers is a verb. Layers is a verb. Nice. <laughs> uh, once you've fulfilled that, then you ha- can go find him and kill him wherever he is in the village. Uh, for the invisible man, you have to gather evidence that he even exists because <laughs> no one believes that he's See real. a footprint. <laughs> he keeps murdering villagers around, but no one can prove it. So you have to gather evidence of certain colors that are at certain locations in town. And once you turn them into the police, then you can go find him and kill him as well. I've actually been trying to gather evidence about an invisible man following me. You've been going on about this for years, and you he's still real. All right, he's right behind you, Jake. All right, we're, let's edit out the twenty minutes that we just talked about that and move on. Uh, okay, fine, but people <laughs> will want to know. I'll release a bonus. All right, we'll episode. do a bonus episode of that twenty minutes. Uh, that so uh, the game is very interesting in that uh, y- these creatures are running around killing people and potentially yourself. Uh, or in your players, uh, but you have only a, a finite amount of time to go grab items and try and stop them because every person they kill raises the terror level in the game, which is an end game condition and can destroy the whole team because no one has morale to keep and going. Even pesky NPC standees, yes, they count. They even can't die. even the 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 common folk are terror ridden. All right, one to ten. What do you rate it? I mean, as far as co-op goes, I would say like it's a solid seven. Like it's it's definitely worth seven picking up for if you want to like have a co-op that's different from a lot of the other ones. I've we've played so many co-ops that are just like roll the dice and assign them uh, together, and I'm kind of like done with those. So it was nice to have something that had like a little bit more dynamis- dynamicism to it. Dynamism. Dynamism. Diamondism. Diamondism. That's the word. Thank you. Yeah, and it's also beautiful. The colors are very bold yeah. and striking. Yeah. Uh, and as you were saying, the uniqueness of each playable character and of each villain having a completely different win condition, because that can be a problem with these battle type co ops. Is like, well, it's another monster, and yeah, I know yeah. how to kill them. Oh, we got to a do this number surprise. again. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. There's so a something lot. Something like six to eight monsters, I think. I think there were yes, yeah, six I'm or seven. Sure, it will get an expansion at some point. It deserves well. one if they just have to make more monsters. Oh yeah, how do you make more <laughs> classic horror films? Get on Universal. Universal. All right. Well, so many more thoughts on so many more games from Gen Con after a short break. We're back. Welcome back to Victory Points. Thank you. You're welcome. I just feel like we were just here. It was great. We really haven't moved. (laughs) (laughs) No time passed for us. A lot of time passed for everyone listening as they heard adverts for other podcasts. Anyway, (laughs) back to my list of things that I want to talk about that (laughs) were either released at Gen Con (laughs) or popular at Gen Con. Yes, that's the full title of this episode. I hadn't finished it yet, so I didn't reply. Okay, my favorite game from Gen Con. Here we go. It's from Renegade Games. Of course. Designed by Paul Denon. No thoughts on that? I (laughs) didn't know Paul wasn't about to slander him. (laughs) Eternal Chronicles of the Throne. Whoa. That's a sword slash. Now, it's, it's Eternal Chronicles of the Throne, right? Yeah, there's a semicolon in there or something. Yeah, is Chronicles of the Throne the the subtitle or the actual thing? Subtitle. Got it. So it's not like an expansion or anything. I'm it's just like... going to say, I've been calling it Eternal, but when you type it into Board Game Geek, there's a lot of yeah. things with Eternal in the title, so it's Chronicles oh, of the Throne. That's true. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> um, okay, so it's a concept we've seen before, but I just like the way it's executed. Sometimes it is the best. 
if you've played Star Realms or Hero Realms, mm-hmm. uh, it is a deck building battle game, card card collecting battle game. Uh, but it's by Direwolf Digital. I gave credit. Did I say that before? I gave credit to Paul Denon and did. not Direwolf Digital. Not and yet. they like to represent all of their games as designed by a collective. So it's by Direwolf Digital. Um, but really, Paul did a great job. And I actually <laughs> got to play with Paul. And uh, it was very fun. And I had already, that was like my fourth playthrough because I had been shown the game. And I was like, again. <laughs> <laughs> what, well, tell me what was amazing about it. You said it's like Star Realms? It, it is essentially that. But um, you, so, okay. So to explain for someone who's never played a game like this, you are have a, a starting set of cards that is your personal deck. And on your turn, you will draw up five cards, I believe. And you will play all of them. Some of them earn you credits with which you can buy cards from the public store. Yeah, the market. The Forge in this game. Okay. And... Uh, I forget what the credits are called. Whatever. You have buying power. Yeah. And there's a cost on each of the cards in the forge. And some of them have a cost that's in this red flame. And you have two little booster tokens. They have a specific name, I promise. That's okay. And uh, if you flip one of them, you can both buy a card and play that card, put it into play within the same turn. Ah, okay. So it's like an instant action as opposed mm-hmm. to when you normally acquire a card, it goes into your discard pile? That's correct. It goes into your discard. Okay. And then when your draw pile is empty, you shuffle your discard and you draw five more cards from that. So uh, what is different than this game is that it almost has a little bit of a magic the gathering. Your your creatures stay on the board, but only for a single turn. So they don't immediately do damage on the turn in which they're played. Your opponent has one turn in which they can choose whether to block if they have a matching strength or more. If they have a lower strength, you cannot double block. You cannot put two creatures against Mm -hmm. one. And if they can't block, then they just have to let that damage pass through onto the person's total life. Mm -hmm. And uh, whoever has – whoever – does not die wins. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, the first player to knock the other player down to zero health wins. So, if I'm understanding you correctly, the kind of the significant difference is that there's another mechanic within the deck building that allows you to instantly play cards from the market, the forge. Yes, that's forge. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like hyperdrive, mega zoom. Oh, what is the word? There's a word warp? for it. Warp. You got it right. It is a warp. Yeah. It's a warp token. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. It's I said all the right things to lead you. Yeah, yeah. We, we mind-melded that. We got there, finally. <laughs> Took us long enough. Uh, but, yeah, I really like that mechanic. I really like the idea that you can choose to block or not block if you want to risk it and take the hit onto your total life in order to get more damage through uh, to the opponent on yeah. the following turn. I, I just, you know, I have this thing since I've started playing Magic where... I just noticed in the notes it says I'm obs- there's, there's a bullet point in our notes that Becca's written under Eternal which says oh, yeah. I'm obsessed. Period. Played four times and brought it today to make Jake play. I forgot it. Don't tell I them that. That's still a good note. <laughs> that story was so good, and then you undercut it with the truth. <laughs> oh, I just it seems like I'm a really good friend in the note, but I. I didn't want to leave no, it there because the I'm a very forgetful friend. But I did bring you an extra seltzer water. Yeah, thank you. 
You know, I will say I really like Star Realms, but very few people I've played with enjoy Star Realms. What's wrong with people? I don't. <laughs> I don't know. Um, Are you playing with nice people? I am playing with nice people There's and people that I play other. Ah, I should only play with unkind. Well, I'd say this is Eternal Chronicles of the Throne is a game for people that like head-to-head combat games, mm-hmm. which not everyone does. That's, That's true. why co-op is such a popular genre. Which this is the thing that we talk about a lot is different player personalities, what type of games you pull out for different types of players, and this is the game that uh, you make your hardcore gamer friends play with you. And it's a quick game. It goes very quickly. Yes. Um, That's what's nice about Star Realms. It's nice and compact, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's for someone who you see the potential to be a Magic the Gathering player, but they're not a Magic the Gathering player, and that is an addiction that is, you know, a real deep dive. Magic is great, but it does have a lot of layers. Like, you have to yes. get, you. there's a lot of learning involved. But, like, with this, you can kind of get into it. Everything's in the box. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is nice. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm a very, very big fan of that game. That's great. I'm, let's try it out when you bring it for real next time. I know. <laughs> you know, I felt really it's bad. It's fine. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Guys, write a letter to make her feel bad. Next up, uh, Funko Pop. The makers of your favorite pop-shaped Funkos <laughs> <laughs> made a game. Yeah, they did. They made several they games. They made one game that is infinite games. <laughs> a universe. It's called Funkoverse. Yeah. Where you actually have uh, slightly more miniaturized Funkos, I would call them, right? They're... Yeah, they're like bigger than most minis and smaller than most Funkos. <laughs> well said. <laughs> uh, and it's largely like a combat simulation game for the most part. Um, you usually uh, have like either two on two or three on three, depending if you have expansions, but they are characters from a variety of IPs. The ones that we played on Geek and Sundry's Game the Game were uh, the DC Funkoverse, which included a lot of Batman characters, and the Harry Potter Funkoverse, which included... Harry a lot Potter. of Harry Potter characters. <laughs> yeah, interesting. <laughs> uh, and I must say, I didn't play these, but I saw at Gen Con, there is not only a Rick and Morty Funkoverse game, uh, but good. there is a The Golden Girls Funkoverse game. What? <laughs> and what are the objectives for The Golden Girls? Go flirt with the old it's, <laughs> neighbor it's in not, the cafeteria? Wow. Well, that's yeah. What, yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> you look so offended, but that's what they were doing all the time. Well, what I didn't realize, because we didn't do this in our playthroughs of Harry Potter and DC Universe, but you can mix and match Yes. anything. Yes, that's really cool, actually. Like, the Golden Girls can fight Rick and Morty. Yes, you could have B. Arthur go up against Voldemort. Oh my goodness. Yeah, absolutely. The mashups are endless. Uh, it's a cool combat simulation game. What's a little bit different about it, because I honestly am a little bored with some combat simulation games, but this one has scenarios and maps that are uh, double-sided boards that uh, have objectives on them, and the scenarios can change, depend, or the objectives can change based on the scenario you pick. There's like a capture the flag, like a king of the hill, a flat out just go. Uh, king of the hill meeting, you have to hold control of this area. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, area, yeah, area control. control, some might say. Yeah, yeah. Well, King of the Hill is generally one, whereas area control is multiple, right? I hmm. really armchaired well, that one. Well, the one, one we but... played is three hills. Right, yeah. yeah. So I guess the area control is better. Yes. Uh, but it's it's great because that's the objective on top of also fighting your opponent. Right. And very, oh, oh, my favorite mechanic. So, of course, each character has unique special abilities that are um, paid for by 
your team's collective pool of tokens that are put in at the beginning based on, um, it tells you which characters put in which colored tokens. But the Golden Girls and Harry Potter both have um, uh, different abilities that are triggered by, say, red tokens. Mm -hmm. And so from the collective pool, their team can decide which red tokens they want to spend on which player abilities. Then that token, when used, goes on to that team's cooldown track. And each team has a cooldown track. Each round of play, all the tokens on the cooldown track slide down one level. And once they come off the bottom, they go back into your pool. I think that's a really cool uh, mechanic because, well, what can get boring sometimes about um, one of these battle games is that, well, let me just do my super coolest ability over and over and over. So having that cooldown phase makes it like you can be very strategic and planning. And if it's cards, then it's random and you don't know when you're gonna get it back. But when it's cooldown, you can plot out, okay, I'm gonna not use this token because I'm, I am see that that token's coming th- next turn. Um, something very strategic. key, yeah, something very key you said there is I see it coming this turn. It's a nice visual representation of what you do and don't have available, especially also what your opponents do and don't have available. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I think it's better than just whether your, you know, your deck is, cy- your card is cycling through your deck and you're waiting for it to come up again, whereas this way you can see exactly what's going on. Uh, and there's also a couple of mechanics that some of the characters have to make the cooldown track longer or like uh, move the um, evil. Yeah, move the tokens on them as well. Yes, Voldemort yeah. will do that. <laughs> it's also like a pretty decent game for like a gateway game for into these into this uh, style because uh, the actions are pretty limited to what you have on your board in addition to the basic actions. Absolutely. And not only that. Cute collectible toys in yeah, every box. They are pretty cute. It is one of those games that you're gonna want to buy all of your favorite franchise IP versions of if you like it, because it's just they're they're just mini Funkos <laughs> that you can play a game with. Really, we're just trying to play with dolls, but we need a forum to do that. They do look particularly sad when they get knocked down because they're just face down. <laughs> And adorable, but they take up like three squares because yeah. <laughs> their heads are so yeah, huge. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you n- you never kill the opponent. You knock them down, knock them and then you knock them out. Yes. Word. Because who would want to do that to be Arthur? Yeah, you, she goes to the infirmary Except and then she'll be back. that old man in the lunchroom. <laughs> Just a hip check. She'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, it's it it's a very fun, very playable, very – there was a lot of hype around this because everybody owns at least one Funko doll – if not because you bought it, because someone gifted it to you. And so there was a lot of hype about this franchise coming into the gaming world, and I think that they delivered. I, how was, was, it, I was impressed. How was it received out there? Were a lot of people... Everybody was talking about it. Yeah, really? Fun. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, everybody was like, have you seen the Funkoverse? Wow. I heard a lot of hype. That's yeah. great. The buzz was Good strong. And it has 8.5 on BGG. Does it really? With the logo oh of gosh. an amorphous orange blob. <laughs> <laughs> well, good for them. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It was good. All right, it's not on the hotness list, but... It'll get there. It's got the buzz. All right. Ooh, okay. Hey, Jake. Yeah, what's up? Do you like Mysterium? I do. Do you like The Resistance? I do. Do you want to mash those two games up into a game from... Oh, sh... Uh, from Libelude <laughs> called Obscurio. Every weekend I do. It's... Pretty cool. Whoa. I watched uh, uh, several rounds of a group playing this game, and 
got got the full gist. Didn't sit down and play it myself, but I feel like I have a strong opinion, which is resounding yes. <laughs> so for people who haven't played those two games I mentioned, uh, if you so Mysterium as well as Dixit, we've talked about on this pod before, are games in which there is a sort of omniscient ghost in this game called the Grimoire, and they have these abstract, beautifully drawn artistic cards. Uh, They're circles in this game. And on these cards are all kinds of images with all kinds of meanings. and Generally a little surreal sometimes, Very surreal, yes. And the clue giver is, uh, well... Not the clue giver. Okay. So there's um, (laughs) among the players, they are all trapped inside of a sorcerer's library, and they have to escape the sorcerer's library through one of the six doors. But in order to do that, they have to choose the door with the correct clue picture. And um, among those players trapped inside the wizard's lair are there's one traitor. And the traitor is. Everyone has to close their eyes each round. The traitor is misdirecting, has to tell the grimoire two cards to put into the group of six cards that are clues for the players to thwart them, Uh. to throw them off. So um, I don't have like a full, full review of exactly how gameplay works. I just know I want to play this game. It's beautiful. But it's kind of that simple it's in that. together awesome stuff. That's really clever. It's that simple in that you they have to work together to find out which door to take based on the clues given. But one person is every round submitting some clues that are all just meant to dissuade. Yeah. That's and really And maybe cool. they're staying quiet in the deliberation mm-hmm. part of the game. Or, or maybe they're, they're saying, oh, what about this part of this uh-huh. picture? And the grimoire also has these little arrow tokens that they can point to which area of the picture they want to bring attention to on their clues. Uh, so, yeah. Is the grimoire a person? Yes. Okay. So They are a player that is sort of out of the game, playing their own. They're guiding the game. Yes. They are essential to the game. And they know who the, they are the, most they know who the betrayer is. They do. Yes. But they can't speak. And when the betrayer puts two clue cards in front of them, does the grimoire get to put arrows on them or does the betrayer get to put the arrows on them? The grimoire puts the arrows on them. Interesting. Has to, of the two cards they place. Well, so, hmm, hmm. That's so fascinating. You might you might have that slightly wrong. That I might have that? it slightly wrong. That's, I believe what? the That's grimoire okay. puts out two images that are clues and then six images that are, represent each and every door. And you're trying to link one of the door oh images to the two clue images from the grimoire. Oh, but of the even... six that are at doors, two of them were put in by the traitor. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. The people playing seem to have a great time. Yeah. And by I had a the great end, time hearing about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so definitely one to check out if that's your genre of game. Is the art very surreal? Yeah. It's, it's as beautiful that. as Dixit or Mysterium. Um, I, I don't know. Where, where are these artists, like, if they're all in cahoots? <laughs> but they all have the similar, like, very absurdist, makes you think lots of thoughts about Yeah. Uh, a surrealist connecting on yes. unconnected ideas yes and that's what's and great about it it's always open for interpretation much like you know mind meld honestly it's mm-hmm. it's always about who you're working with at the table yes but that's great to add the dynamic of one trader I like that a lot do do the players win if they escape they do and the play and the trader wins if they don't correct got it there's some sort of timer yeah, counter sure. thing happening yeah look I, I didn't I, say no, I read the rule book I friends didn't say you had I just to. said I liked it <laughs> you said you loved it I did. I did say that. Right. All right. 
Well, we've just got a couple more to talk about. Uh, but, ooh, and just to tease, there's one that wasn't even released at Gen Con, but I got a sneak peek of what? a test-printed copy. Oh, my gosh. And I'm going to tell you about it in a little bit. Okay. I want to talk about another Renegade game, because as I mentioned, I was hired by Renegade to be a Gen Con, and so I spent a lot of time in and around their booth and room. Yeah. Terror Below. Mm, worms. Hey, you love that 80s movie Tremors? <laughs> this has nothing to do with that intellectual property, but <laughs> does have to do with a scientific experiment gone wrong in a government facility and worms, uh, weapons of... Mass? No, of uh, remote... Remote... Massacre. Massacre. <laughs> <laughs> Weapons of remote massacre, a.k.a. worms, are have invaded underground in a remote Nevada city. Yeah, there's uh, these multi... There's a bunch of, like, tentacle... Tentacled? <laughs> there's a bunch of tentacled or, like, centipede-like uh, burrowing worms Ooh, that are eating, eating people and laying eggs. Yeah. They're doing that, throwing and, rubble all around. And your job is to drive a pickup truck around the desert, picking up their eggs and turning them into the scientists so they can research how to like end these things. And removing rubble as well from the city. Yeah. And not get eaten by the worms. Also, maybe you can fight them for bounties, right? Absolutely, yeah. you can. Fight those worms for bounties. Uh, yeah, this is a really fun pick up and deliver. There's a map. If Your movement is determined by which type of vehicle card you play, but each time you play a vehicle card, which you must do on on your turn, you're making the ground shake, and you have mm -hmm. to play that vehicle card onto one of three worms. And when that worm has felt too much motion in the ground, then they erupt and they <laughs> will attack. And if you are in their their line of their sight, their yeah, they each have depending on the color of egg, mm -hmm. it has a different area of the map in which it attacks. Oh, like, is it based on the color of the egg? I didn't yeah. realize that. Like I knew the patterns. Like a worm will attack um, all of the diagonals from oh. the space where the egg is. Or... I didn't notice that connection. I just thought the grids were independent of the color and coincidental. Or that not coincidental, but. reckless, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> That's better design than I, that, that's great, cool. Yeah, this was a very, very fun game. Uh, I'm, I, we were play. We were looking at it and we're like, okay, well, I'm not sure how this will work out. And then we played, absolute joy. Yeah, um, there's a lot of little fun mechanics in it, such as ramping over other cars or uh, wearing hats, <laughs> which provide benefits as the well. The hats are great. <laughs> the playable characters are great. It has a little interesting choice of mechanics where you have three characters mm -hmm. and all of them could die. But uh, if, if one of your characters dies, you slide another character into the leadership position and you only get the special ability of whichever character is currently your leader. If you turn in an egg to the hospital location, you can bring one of your dead characters back to life. But there's no real reason to. It's just a perk if you also need to drop off an egg at that Well, hospital. there's a reason to because if you lose three, you die. So you sure, can only lose three forever. times. But uh, <laughs> on, there's no penalty to not having not them. Yeah, and it is a game where you're vying for victory points and uh the first player to i believe 20 points I think it was wins. 20, yeah. yeah and uh there's four bounty cards that are replenished when one is taken that are on the top of the board and those as Jake mentioned are both done by delivering eggs or killing specific types of worms. But if you just deliver an egg willy-nilly when there's no bounty for it, then you just get one little point. Uh, and it was, it was so much fun. Yeah, I'm glad you liked it. We Yeah, we were a little hesitant at first. The rule book was um, 
I, it was very like simple in the way it was delivered each of the concepts, but uh, missed a little bit of like the timing cues in terms for me to figure out the rules. And then once we played, it all pretty much came together pretty naturally. Yeah, there was a couple things in the rule book that you'd be like, wait, this isn't addressed. Yeah. Uh, just a few like, when you're playing, you'll just assume that that's the thing you should do. Yeah, <laughs> I think like assumptions are generally right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But overall, um, like the mechanics of it all worked pretty nicely. And uh, it went faster than I thought it would too because you the way your turn works, you can always just resolve whether the worm's attacking or not pretty quickly. Yeah, you get to choose. You get to pop that worm, as we say <laughs> in the biz. Well, and the design of the card also shows you exactly where to lay everything, and the board is actually on a grid, which is numbered on an axis of blue and uh, red. So you can actually easily see uh, where you need to place things. Yep. The next game I want to talk about it's from Renegade Games. <laughs> <laughs> Renegade Games Studio. Not a sponsor of the show. Not a sponsor, but just coincidentally, uh, when they hired me, that <laughs> I'm going to see a lot of that game. And I was only there yeah. for two days yeah. at the gun. So this is what happened. Uh, Bargain Quest. Oh, yeah. I saw this on here. Tell me about this. This is by Jonathan Yang, who did Power Rangers Heroes of the Grid mm-hmm. and has worked on a lot of really big games before that That as a like co-designer. Um, so he's been in the biz for a while. Jonathan is lovely. So Bargain Quest, two to six players, uh, pretty short game, pretty uh, people of all ages can play. And, um, okay, so when you're playing D&D, don't you wonder what it would be like to play as the shop key? Yes, every time. Every time. Where did this money come from? Am I is this gonna, Am I going to get robbed after I take 1,000 gold for this armor that I just sold you? Because I have 1,000 gold I've never had before, and that's like a fucking boat. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the money that you earned is essentially your victory points, and there are heroes coming to your shop. Um your shop is filled by a draft style round where each player has a hand of cards. You pick one, you pass it, you pick one, you pass it until all the cards are into the shops. And then the heroes come around. And based on the symbols on the heroes' cards, they will shop at specific stores that have uh, matching symbols. Items, okay. Yeah. And then if you can equip a hero with everything they might need, then they're going to go and they're going to battle a. Uh, uh, a bad guy, and it doesn't really matter to you, the shopkeep, but uh, if you equipped them or you are the sponsor of that hero and the hero did damage to the villain, then you, you'll also earn points for that. Oh, you'll if, he, if he was using like a Becca brand bl- breastplate, then yeah, yeah he, and, and he's seen in the photo killing the monster, you get like some victory points because that was your store that sold him that. You do. That's great. Yeah, uh, or uh, I believe... Not for selling, but for um, having a sort of like being the sponsor of that hero because each person kind of sponsors a hero and then, um, yeah, and then equips them. And uh, it was very cute, very fun artwork, very fun little quippy, clever things written on the cards, and uh, just a charming take on everybody leaves loves D and D. So you say it's quick. It was a thirty to sixty minutes. On here? That... I, I just did one demo round, so oh, I didn't gotcha. get a, a full feeling of Bargain Quest, but uh, I liked it. I thought it was charming. And uh, yeah, I think it's one to check out. Okay. I think it's one to check out if you are, especially a D&D player that wants a little light fare to have for a game night, to have for a family trip. Not enough games in general do the draft mechanic anymore. Like, I feel like drafting's kind of going away, and I yeah. really like drafting. I don't know why I, mean, I like Go it. Sushi Go has always been a staple in my home. Yeah, I don't know. 
why is it we like drafting? Is it because there's a variety of options and they're all good and generally you have to choose the best and then still pass it to your opponent? Yeah. Is that the it's, dichotomy of that? It's balancing. I don't know why we like it, but it's balancing what you want versus what you would don't want someone else to have. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't, that always just tickles my brain when we have to figure out that puzzle. It's tough. Mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of Magic the Gathering <laughs> arena drafting. Oh, yeah. It's extremely difficult. That's the best way to do it is like then not only is it, do I need do I want this card because it's good, but does this card fit into what I'm building? Yes. Yeah, that card's good, but I can't use it. You know, exactly. that's the hardest but part. But do I take the hit mm-hmm. of using up my turn to take something I don't really need just to keep my opponent from keeping it. And is that going to lead me to win if I know that they need it, but yeah. they've got a good engine going on? Ooh, Not enough decisions. drafting in the world. Like, hey, game designers, keep putting drafting in there. What the world <laughs> needs now is, is more. draft, sweet draft. <laughs> yes. All right. Now it's time for our final game. Yeah, tell me. I want to tell you everything i only know something <laughs> okay I tell me what little you know i unboxed a game and this game is called gates of delirium whoa yeah so this is put out by jordan and mandy goddard well renegade games <laughs> <laughs> look no it's fine, it's fine i was fine. in the room this is what i saw and i got this sneak peek don't even know if i'm allowed to say this but we're gonna do it yeah let's just do it so jordan and mandy Charming design team. Uh, Jordan's the crazy idea guy. Mandy is the organized, put it into an actual uh, tangible game person. And uh, the two of them together created the game Lotus, which some of you may have played. It's this beautiful game where you collect points by laying uh, petals of a flower on cards. And this it has this mechanic that they created where um, each card needs a card to be laid on top of it at a specific angle. And when you do that, they're laid in a circle and it completes a flower. So, so the picture is the the mechanic essentially. Yeah. So, so the ad- idea of Gates of Delirium is what if a Cthulian monster came out of a portal that was completed when you finished this beautiful flower? So <sighs> it is you're making portals. So, oh, there's so many cool components of this game. And I, and I just did an unboxing and had a brief overview. Uh, but I, I want to talk about it because I'm so excited about it. So it's using that component. There's a map. And you are investigators. And you need to stay away from madness. Because madness is very much do. a possibility. Yeah. So in your hand, there are different cards you can expend to try and investigate. And if... Uh, each player at the beginning of their turn gets to decide if everyone is sane or insane. So if they're, what? If they're you mean sane, they judge there's each a other, token. even if okay. No, they choose whether everyone is sane or everyone is insane, depending on what kind of um, what part of the, your goals you're trying to achieve. Oh. Uh, so if everyone is sane, you have your cards upright. If the next player chooses everyone is insane by flipping a token to the other side, everyone flips their hand of cards upside down. <laughs> And can spin the insane side of the card. But they're the same cards. So if there's something really cool on the sane side of that card, on the bottom portion. You're going to use it. Then you don't want to spend it while you're insane. It's such a cool series of mechanics. I'm so excited to see how this does. Uh, I think it's going to be released later this year because Board Game Geek says 2019. Okay. What what determines if you want it to be sane or insane? Just whether you want to use the cards on their other side? Yes. That's that's a great or mechanic. Or whether you want to um, summon a monster or you want to investigate. Oh, so there's betrayers in there too? 
Or like people who are on the side of the well, monsters? Everyone is both. Oh, what? You're uh, being, you're not working against yourself. They're both, but that one is to summon the monsters and one is to uh, like investigate where those monsters are going to come sort of thing. Gotcha. Uh, again, didn't get to play it, but this is Gates of Delirium. It sounds super cool. That it's sounds beautifully great. done. If you like Cthulhu games, uh, this is pretty quick. It, do you make a flower? Do you make a portal or do you make a monster? You make a portal for the monsters to come cool. out of by playing enough cards to complete the circle a la Lotus. Mm. Uh, so yeah, really, really excited for that. Anyway, Jake, that's what I learned at Gen Con. Wow, you learned a lot. You already knew many things that were popular at Gen Con. I did, but uh, I'm glad to get your first-hand account, especially uh, some of that secret stuff, too. Well, it, it's such a fun show. It's such a joy to be there with the energy. Oh, and shout-out to everybody who listens to the pod that came up and said hello to me. Really? I met so many amazing people. Oh, nice. Took lots of pictures with people. It was so much fun. It's so much fun to meet people in person that... I mean, we didn't know people actually listened to this. <laughs> but let me tell you, Jake, some people do. That's great. If you're listening, thanks. Yeah, thanks so much. Oh, also, um, if you haven't rated our show, yeah. I, we tell people to rate the show all the time, but we don't tell them what to rate it. So I'm going to say right now, rate it a five. Ooh. If it's out of five. Yeah. yeah. Yes, if it's out of tw- if it's out <laughs> of ten, reconsider. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll let you extrapolate. Yeah, yeah you figure out where there. to go. Um, but yeah, uh, I just uh, challenged someone else who had a podcast who said they never tell people what to do, and uh, I'm going to tell you, sweet listeners, exactly what to do. Well, sweet rate listeners, if you want more of these awesome podcasts, we got to get popular. So the only way to do that is to get better reviews. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we've plugged ourselves enough for today. <laughs> this was and such Renegade. a fun Just Us episode. <laughs> I loved it. More yeah. of this sometime soon. <laughs> Thanks to Renegade Games, who did not sponsor <laughs> this podcast, but got you know, a lot of plugs. Thanks to Gen Con for just being around still. <laughs> yeah. Thanks to Gary Gygax for inventing D&D and creating Gen Con 26 years ago. And thank you, dear listener, for filling out a review right after you listen to this podcast. Okay. We love you. Bye. Bye.